Hi, I'm Salma Jett, Divisional Vice President of U.S. and Global Marketing for Abbott's Neuromodulation Business. At Abbott, we are working across our company to support communities with resources and technologies to fight the evolving impact of COVID-19. Getting new molecular antigen and antibody tests and rapid tests into the hands of frontline workers so people can receive the critical results they need. As the COVID-19 global pandemic unfolded in the United States, New York City was the hotspot and by April, hospitalizations were into the thousands each day. As hospitals in the city were reaching capacity, the call went out for volunteer physicians to contribute to the care of patients. One of these doctors who stepped up to the challenge is Dr. Nicholas Bremer. Dr. Bremer is a pain medicine specialist and anesthesiologist who recently practiced at the spine and nerve centers of the Virginias in Charleston, West Virginia. He left his young family to head up to New York City. Dr. Bremer is no stranger to global disasters. As a commander in the US Navy, he was a naval flight surgeon that participated in the humanitarian effort in the wake of 2011's earthquake and tsunami in Japan. When the call went out in New York, he knew his experience would benefit the thousands of sick patients being admitted to New York City hospitals. Keith Bediger, president of Abbott's neuromodulation business, sat down with Dr. Bremer to discuss his experience. I've just been impressed with some of you guys who kind of gave up your private practice and made the decision to go go to New York City and work kind of in the middle of this whole thing. And I think that just takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts, and you know, it takes a lot of risk. You have a you have a you know wife and a super young child at home right now. Right. Yeah. So you kind of so gave up a lot to go go help a lot of people. So I thought we I have, you know, four or five questions. I just thought I thought, I thought we'd go through. But I really wanted to do this because I'm impressed with you guys. I always I'm always impressed when people take risks or kind of do do things that are kind of out, outside the norm. So, you know, I just thought I'd start with, you know, what really what drew you to go to New York City to kind of jump in the middle of the pandemic and kind of like the hot spot for the whole globe. I mean, I know you, you got a super successful practice in West Virginia, and I know you guys weren't seeing a lot of patients and doing a lot of procedures, but still, it's a big deal to leave your family to go to New York City and work with really sick people. Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, you know, I'm I'm kind of the type of person that's always run, sort of ran toward like, toward the action, toward the fight, and um, I saw things happening, and, uh, you know, the other side of it is I, I had a... a you know, great deal of experience with intensive care, um, or, you know, with critical care and residency. So I, I, you know, I felt extremely comfortable in the intensive care unit that sort of combined with, you know, my sort of, uh, willingness to put myself in sort of, you know, more uncomfortable situations. And then with my Navy background and with this, this thing called operational risk management, we're always, you know, taking risks in everything we do and trying to mitigate those risks over time. I don't know. I, you know, it was at the time anyway, it was literally a city in crisis. And I would talk to people here and kind of hear you know, stories and, um, you know, the skill set that I possess partially due to my training in pain, actually, you know, with, you know, using ultrasound and being able to put lines pretty much anywhere. And, you know, just general anesthesiology training was extremely in, uh, you know, high demand. So, it, it, it just, um, you know, I talked to my wife about it and, you know, we sort of went back and forth and then uh, she eventually said, you, you, you just got to go, you know, 
so that's and so that's how it kind of you know, came about really how has it all evolved since the day you got there because i mean you got there kind of in the middle of it right and it's gotten they kind of hit the top of the curve so uh i guess when i first got here it was um what i would call controlled chaos at bellevue um you know bellevue hospital center is essentially the flagship hospital of the new york city hhc health and hospital corporation uh public hospital system which which incorporates uh, essentially 11 hospitals around the city i believe um and each hospital you know has an academic affiliation with some university in in new york city seemingly so um you know so hhc was was in really a tough spot and i think bellevue did an amazing job in terms of preparedness um you know whether it be physical plant you know infrastructure making icu beds available literally out of thin air inventing icu beds new units just expanding so i got here and it was uh you know kind of controlled chaos other hospitals um were you know maybe not doing quite as well but at bellevue was a it was a controlled chaos and uh you know as I sort of sort of integrated into the intensive care unit. So the so anesthesiologists were placed in all all types of units. Most most anesthesiologists were placed with um, the anesthesiology department. I was placed in the intensive care unit um, with you know, the COVID MICU. So so actually integrated into the uh, the teams, you know, sort of over the course of a, a week, really beca- you know, became something called an uptrained attending, where I would be kind of in the role of an intensivist. Um, and that has you know, sort of grown over the over the past, you know, six weeks where, you know, I sort of run my own, you know, teams and, uh, you know, things like that. So, you know, people were placed in different roles. And so as um, time went on, you know, you, you know, the disease was really unknown. Like we didn't really know what to expect. Was it, was it going to be like a traditional ARDS type picture or not? Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we just learned the entire time. I mean, people would come in with, you know, otherwise, you know, standard medical problems. And we would ultimately find that they would be COVID. People would come in with, you know, heart failure. And we would find that that would be COVID myocarditis. People would come in with, with renal failure, and we would find that that would ultimately end up being due to COVID. We people come with all types of problems and end up in the intensive care unit, and so many people would end up their their presentations were due to COVID, and um, it, it it was really interesting to and um, to, you know you know sort of be on the the front lines of you know try, trying to figure out like what is this disease and and what is it doing and what does it mean and we, and we were really making it up as we went along um and and so to be in that in the center of that really you know uh you know sort of infrastructure was was really one of the highlights of my career really and i consider it to be a high privilege to be really you know trusted with the care of these patients um with a disease that was essentially unknown in the epicenter of the of the of the COVID crisis in the world, so uh, really a, just a huge learning curve. And then as things progressed, um, you know, we we sort of we we sort of understood the disease a little bit more. We understood what sort of needed to be done in terms of anticoagulation, in terms of treatment, in terms of outcomes. Um, so I think we have a a little bit of a better sort of handle on it now. Um, I think the rest of the world um, probably would 
you know, do well to, to really, you know, pick up on the New York City experience because it's, it, it's just been so instructive here. We have so many papers, you know, pending that, that we want to publish and, uh, you know, we're, and, you know, we're still learning as we go. But, um, yeah, just to be on the front lines of literally uh, probably the most important emerging disease or special pathogen in the world has been uh, just a tremendous privilege. As time has passed since the earliest days of the pandemic and hospitalizations have begun to ease, Dr. Bremer reflects on some of the things he learned from his days on the front lines and what he can take forward with him in his practice from those experiences. Well, what have you learned? Kind of what would you, what have you taken away? What would you apply back to practice when you went back? And you just seem like you've kind of, you know, even though it's a difficult experience, seem like you've enjoyed it and it's humbled you and, and uh, it's been an overall, you know, good experience for you. Right. So in terms of, uh, you know, what I've learned, I mean, you know, like other than like the basic critical care type of, you know, skills and learning kind of, you know, I've learned how to really, you know, interrogate an emerging special pathogen. Uh, you know, that, I mean, that's been just amazing. So I've learned systems-based practice in disaster medicine that, in real life, that's something that you you wouldn't even imagine. You know the, the complexities in terms of just I mean, from everything from scheduling to manning, to uh, you know making changes on the fly, to making teams, putting teams together. It's really just been uh, like unbelievable experience in that way. What I've taken away is just really, you know, I guess a couple of things. One is how fragile life is. And, but also how, you know, resilient people can be after being essentially decimated by this disease, you know, families and patients, you know, you know, everyone still has hope, you know, the healthcare workers still have hope. We, we still have hope that, you know, we can help people. Um, the families still have hope that we can help people. You know, they have so much faith in us and we, and we literally have no you know, or a very minimal understanding of what, of, of what we're doing even sometimes. So it's, it's, it's just been very humbling um, as well as, you know, just in New York city, you, you know, I can't walk down the street with, without someone saying they're you know, essential worker. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, you know, thanks so much for what you're doing or, you know, so hooting and hollering, you know, cheering and uh, you know, it makes you feel good about what you're doing. Yeah. So um, just, you know, you know, the grace, you know, really just the grace of people for, you know, kind of understanding that we don't know what we're doing, but we're trying our best and, they, you know, that they know that they are and, and they know that, that we are type of thing. Um, in terms of what you can apply to practice, um, I mean, really, the teamwork elements of this are just not to be understated. I mean, if if we were able to, you know, kind of create a system that we can accommodate so many, you know, patients with you know, the most infectious, probably virus in history. I mean, sky's the limit what we can do in our private practices back home in terms of just, you know, teamwork in terms of making, making our systems better. Um, and, you know, as in terms of returning to practice, I mean, COVID is uh, not going to last forever, we hope. I'm always going to be ready and willing to help with any, you know, one who wants any advice on kind of how to deal with it. But uh, I mean, ultimately, I'm, you know, so I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm trained in interventional pain specifically. 
Um, I love that. Love helping people in that in that situation as well. Um, but um, you know, also would love helping people that that suffer from COVID nineteen. So, you know, my plans are to return to the the practice of pain full time, and you know, hopefully, we don't have you know second waves and you know, coming in, yeah. and you know, we don't have mass you know shutdowns again. And you know, because of this, and people are you know going to practice their you know, uh, you know, going to wear their PPE. They're going to they're do physical distance and do all the things that, that we need to do. Um, but if it does come back, we need to be ready, you know, and we need to have people that are willing to kind of raise their hand and step up. And, and I think we do. I think we have a good amount of people that are going to be willing to do that. So when are you going, when are you going back home? Do you know? Not sure. Um, we're sort of, uh, constantly re- reassessing every week kind of, uh, the needs of just the, you know the different units and systems and and all that so um that's kind of up in the air i, I would like to return this month um that would be great you know all right that's, that's all i got like i mean look i'm super impressed with i'm super impressed with you going up there and, and doing that and it's saying i mean it just seems like you're you're engaged you've done you've kind of you've enjoyed your experience you've learned a lot and i just i just again i just I'm impressed by what you've done and kind of how you think about it and kind of how it seems to have impacted you. So I'm glad I'm, I just, I'm thankful you've taken the time to, to talk to me. And then I'm thankful that you went up there to help a lot of people. I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to say. So I will, I will just, you know, say something that I think uh, is important, you know, certain companies, um, stepped up and certain companies didn't i i think the fact that abbott which i was surprised to hear the name abbott you know uh, came up with a point of care test that what that would help with the ability to to identify patients suffering from covid19 in the in the setting of a pandemic literally within i don't know how long it took weeks or days or it was seemed to be like right away um, it, re- it really just shows the, uh, you know, dedication and I'm, I'm just proud to be affiliated in, in some way with a company that is going to, uh, you know, sort of take on that role, that kind of responsibility, um, you know, kind of raise their hand and kind of make up a test that, that can help us. Um, and, and I know that it did cause I heard that test being used. And that, they, uh, that was the, that was the rapid diagnostic group, but they, yeah, they spent, I don't know how many days they were, but they were 24 seven, you know, for, for. A week or two to get that thing to get that thing done so i mean they, there was a lot of a lot of work to get that done and now just scaling just scaling it from a manufacturing standpoint to be able to provide the number of tests they need to provide i mean i think we've hired or they're in the process of hiring five thousand people and opening two manufacturing sites so they can instead of manufacturing 50 50 000 tests a day they can do millions of te- millions of tests so they can we can test as many people as need to be tested so yeah, it was an impressive feat. It's a really impressive feat by the by the corporation. So, hey, I got one last question. So, what do you miss the most about not being home? Well, you know, I, I miss you know the family. I miss uh, you know baby girl, wife, dog. Um, you miss it all. I miss <laughs> my house. Miss my bed. Miss my shower. I have a jacuzzi over there. Don't have that here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I miss the patients. You know, I miss the staff I work with at all my different locations, uh, you know, St. Francis, CMC, uh, you know, Logan, uh, Logan actually sent me a card, which was, you know, very sweet. Um, and, you know, checks off on me from time to time. Um, I don't know. I just sort of miss it all, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of hard to be away, but I sort of view it as a military deployment where, yeah. where you know, we're going to do, we're, you know, we're going to do what we need to do regardless. And we're going to get through it. 
and at the end of it, we're going to be able to, uh, you know, really sit back and you know, kick back and reminisce about, about, you know, you know, the good work we've done. So anyway, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to. Hey, look, if there's anything you need, feel free to reach out. I mean, we'll do anything we can to help you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Well, dude, have a good night and thanks. Thanks for doing that. Since that last interview, after spending three months at Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan, Dr. Bremer continued practicing critical care in COVID-19 intensive care units across the country, most recently in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the senior author on a publication studying an investigational agent with potential activity against COVID-19, which resulted in an FDA investigational new drug approval and a follow-on large multi-center randomized control trial. He plans to continue his COVID-19 research and clinical critical care practice as future surges may require. But currently, he's looking forward to the possibility of returning to the practice of interventional pain medicine in November. Thank you for listening.